you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to today's show. Well, today I have a guest that I think many of you are going to want to tune in for. Karen McMahon is a certified relationship and divorce coach and founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. She began divorce coaching in 2010 after recognizing that the pain of her divorce led her on a transformational journey into a powerful and unexpected new life. Karen leads a national team of divorce coaches in supporting men and women around the world to become calm clear, and confident as they navigate divorce. Karen's the host of the acclaimed Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, co-author of Stepping Out of Chaos, Turning Pain to Possibility, creator of JBD's exclusive Accelerated Divorce Recovery Program. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. Okay, so we were just chatting before we started recording, and we're both, I think, aligned in having an organic conversation and providing whatever comes through us, we have to just trust that is what whoever is listening to this really needs to hear, right? Full yeah. agreement. Okay, perfect. Okay, so all the time, people, they come to me, they have a difficult child, and what I like to say about these kids that are being challenging, difficult, strong-willed, they're like the canaries in the coal mines. They quite often, they're highly sensitive little people. They're super intuitive. They take in all the things. And when they sense that there's friction in the marriage, in the family dynamic, it makes them feel ungrounded and unsafe and then they act out. And, um, and so usually people come to me and it can be like opening Pandora's box at times. And before I know it, it's quite often, you know, I would say 95% of the people who come to me are, well, me and my husband's uh, signed up and it's only me doing this work right? And so he's not engaged in the content. He's too busy or he's got excuses, whatever it is. And so she's engaged in the content. And before she knows it, she's she's frustrated because she's learning this new way and they're not parenting on the same page. And it's become real clear that that there's a communication issue between the two of them. You know, not a ton of the relationships end in divorce. and. We have had a handful of people that decide, 
you know what, this, this child is fine. I've got, my relationship is beautiful. The issue is me and my, you know, my husband, we're not meant to be like this marriage is not working. And so then they come to me and they're like, okay, so now what? And I'm always real clear that, you know, I stay in my own lane. I am, I hate to use the term expert, but at this point, I really understand kids that display strong-willed behaviors. Relationship coaching is not my area of expertise, right? And so I want to use this time to have you, who this is your area of expertise, to really weigh in when we have two parents who are not parenting on the same page and they think they maybe have been, they were bonding before on how difficult their kid was. But now that we have one parent learning how to see their kid's behavior differently, learning the right tools, speaking the language that the kid can hear, now all of a sudden the kid's not difficult for mom anymore. And we realize it's the relationship that's the problem. What do you say to that issue? Yeah. So that we um, we address a lot. It's that very early stage where things are not smooth. And the question becomes, should we end or should we mend? Yeah. Right? That's the question. Mm-hmm. How do I know? And of course, when there are children involved, it's the hardest decision in the world to make because it's not just you. You know, if it was just you and a partner, you could say, okay, I'm ready to move on. But when there are children, it's a very big decision. And so... What I say to couples is start with mending. Now, now you may say through your program, certain issues have come to the forefront, but when you start with mending and you start with mending, not by telling your spouse what to do. Yeah. Like I come from a 12 step program. Keep your side of the street clean. Yeah. His responsibility is sweeping his side of the street. If he sweeps it or he doesn't sweep it, that's not yours. You, on the other hand, might be controlling, you might be telling him what to do, you might be codependent, you might be protecting him, you might be um, breaking boundaries or having no boundaries and needing boundaries. So when you choose to mend, and the first step of mending is, I'm going to I'm gonna work on myself, I'm going to notice what's happening. So here they are with you noticing what's happening with maybe mom and child. And so I would say, okay, now let's notice what's happening with you and your husband. I interviewed a woman. She wrote a book called Fierce Love. And uh, she also wrote a book called Fierce Conversations. And in Fierce Love, she says, the conversation is never about the relationship. The conversation is the relationship. Mm. And I love that because then what your listeners can do right now is say, okay, if I look at the conversations I'm having with my spouse, are they safe? Are we throwing emotional bombs across the room and shrapnels flying? Or are we holding a safe space where there's no judgment and criticism and we're hearing the other person and understanding, disagreeing maybe, but but giving an opportunity to hear and understand that we're raised in different families, we have different ways of communicating. And so, so when you begin to mend, you look at how are we communicating? What are my boundaries? What are my triggers? How do I react when I have triggers? Which would also come into what you do, right? Like you're being triggered by your kid, you're reacting. Well, how do you react with your spouse? And when people begin to do that work, which they're clearly already doing with you, 
but fine tune it with their spouse in a reasonably short amount of time, the partner is either moving closer because maybe he's not being controlled or whatever, or he's pulling away even more. And so this very complicated decision of should we mend or should we end ends up unfolding in a way that becomes obvious. And the Mm. whole time, whether you're at it for three months or a year and a half, you're becoming a healed and refined version of yourself. You're taking care of your reactivity, your rage, or your tendency to isolate and go into the cave or whatever those tendencies are. When you begin to work on you, everything changes, everything shifts, and and then it becomes clear. Okay. So you just, you just put into words what I see happen so often through parenting. Okay. So mom comes in and she learns, she realizes this kid was just my little canary. And now I understand my kid. Yeah. They're highly sensitive. Yeah. They're quite often dysregulated. Yeah. They don't want to, they, they need some space after school. If I hammer them with questions, I'm going to see those behaviors because it's just there, you know, so they start to really understand and see their child differently and, and, and they clean that up. And then they come to me and they're like, well, the problem is, you know, my husband and my husband. And what I always say is, is I'm like, don't parent your husband. Um, It's not sexy. Like no one wants to have sex. Like no one wants to have sex with their mother or their father. Like, no, you know, so don't parent your husband. Exactly what you said about the clean, you know, keep your side of the street clean. I'm like, you just do you. And, um, and, and allow, you know, if you see your husband, look, any emotional safety is the top priority. So, If you have every, you know, I think there's a lot of bad advice out there, which is always parent, always be on the same team. I'm like, if you see your husband, um, be your kids are emotionally unsafe. If you see your husband like, you know, shaming them, um, getting physical with them, uh, really scaring the shit out of them, then that is unsafe. And so you get your kids out. You don't, tell your husband what to do. You just get your kids to safety. Get them out of there, right? So it's kind of like if you see a car barreling down the street towards your kids, you get them out of the fucking way. And that's what you do. And when you circle back with your husband, you know, like they just had an explosive moment. And what do you do? You know, do you come and chastise and berate them? Or do you say like, I have shitty moments too. I have moments like, like what was really going on for you or what was so frustrating? You know, you can tell me or whatever, but don't tell them what to do. Just show up for them. Just show up for them. So most of the time, I would say about 90% of the time, the marriage ends up improving because mom stays in her lane. She does her work. She's feeling so much better about herself because she's like, okay, I've got an amazing relationship with my kid. I feel like a great mom. I'm not beating myself up about that. I am not going to tell, I'm not going to try to control my husband. I'm building all this self-awareness. And 
and, and this stuff's contagious. And so then he starts to feel more loved and supported and not controlled. And eventually you never, you hear him in the other room going using two positive choices where he was so resistant to learning any mastermind tools. And now all of a sudden you hear him with his four-year-old going, did you want to put your right foot or your left foot in when he's, you know, get helping them get into the PJs. And then she's like, that's the sexiest thing ever. And now there's more intimacy, right? Beautiful. And so 90% of the time, it really becomes sort of like marriage therapy. It's just this, it's like this beautiful thing that happens. And maybe five to 10% of the time, the, the part where it's very obvious they need to end, like right. he's not going to get on board, even though things are going so much better, he's digging in, he's refusing to not yell and scream and berate and shame his children. And she starts to realize this dude's never getting with the program. And for the sake of my children's emotional safety, like I got to end it. And that's when it, that's when they're like, okay, so now what do I do? And I'm like, we have resources. <laughs> Let me get you to them because yeah. this is not my area of expertise. Yeah. And it's, it's once you get clear on that, then, um, it's still the scariest thing in the world. And yeah. it's like the devil, you know, and then the uncertainty and the unknowing. And what we all do as human beings, if, is if I don't know what's around the bend, it's a big, scary bear who's going to hurt me. It's yeah. just where we go. None of us go, well, what if I, I'm happy and I find another partner? Like none of us, what if the positives? And so, when individuals get to the point where it's like, I have to end, um, what swoops in is an enormous amount of fear because of the uncertainty. And then if you haven't rebuilt your self-confidence, if you're feeling, and certainly if you've been trying to control someone else, then you're feeling um, out of control because you have no power there. Whereas right. if they've been working with you and they're feeling empowered, that at least gives them a foot up to say, okay, what do I do next? And really my advice is there are two things you need to do when it comes to ending your marriage. There is, there are two lanes. There's the practical lane of what is this foreign land they call divorce? What's the, what's the landscape look like? Um, what does the journey look like? What's the language that's used? Um, who are the key support players that I need to know about? So the first thing is you need to educate yourself. And that's on our podcast. We actually just relaunched um, this week. We're relaunching the Divorce Roadmap. And it literally interviews attorneys who are mediators, collaborators, litigators, financial planners, real estate people, child specialists, custody specialists, so that you're learning everything you could possibly need to know. Now your confidence is, is even stronger. So now you can tell your spouse you want to go. And then what you need is um, what probably what you do with parents is exactly what we do with couples. It's like, let's see where you're emotionally dysregulated. Let's see what triggers you, what causes you to leave your frontal cortex, be in your amygdala, make bad decisions, blow up things that you don't want to blow up. And so when you have those two side by side, the support of we can help you with the resources and the people and the support and the knowledge that you need, and a lot of clients will say, I'm in therapy, I connected the dots, I understand my family of origin. But when I sit down with my spouse, 
I start getting spitting angry and we all go down the toilet together. Well, that's where the coaching can really help you notice your tell for when you're triggered and then what to do when you're triggered so that you can streamline the divorce so that you can actually enter a negotiation, calm, clear, and confident and be able to create not only a settlement, but hopefully the beginning of a co-parenting relationship that's going to be better on the other side of the divorce. So do you work with, is it like, do couples come to you when they're considering divorce? Is it more, do you see more that one person comes to you after they've decided that they want to get a divorce so that they, yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. I personally uh, do a decent amount of couples coaching, uh, which is usually more that they they really want to mend. Like when both parties come to the table, there's at least the desire to mend. Um, because a lot of times people want to reconcile, but it takes two to reconcile. So if you want to reconcile and your spouse doesn't want to reconcile, it's just not going to go very well. Um, mm-hmm. But because we're journey beyond divorce, the vast majority of people who come to us have already been listening to the podcast and um, are pretty certain that they're on a path for divorce. And then it's where we're coaching with one individual. If the other partner wants coaching, another coach on the team will coach with the other individual. So they still have that private um, one-on-one. So you only coach the couple if it's like there's a possibility of mending. Yeah. When they come to me, they're looking for whatever reason they've said marriage counseling hasn't worked. We want to try couples coaching, which is so much more strategic and action oriented. And so that's primarily what I do with couples. So couples don't want to be actually, if you think about it, it's like once you've decided, um, you know, I'd be more of a mediator. It's like putting the two of them in the same room together. We're not really getting anywhere. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. Um, Okay, so let's say that, so I'm just thinking about this woman who in in my program, who at the very end of the coaching call, the group coaching call, just last week, she, I coached her on one topic and at the very, very end, She's like, oh, and I haven't been at home for three days because it got so bad that I just had to come to my friend's house. And now, and I I need to divorce my, I, I'm ready for a divorce. And this is a woman who, um, she came because her, her son, she has three children and her son, who's her middle child, who's like 10 or 11, um, it was so out of control a year ago. Um, that she just, she was like, he's off the rails. He was getting physical with her, uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, it turns out that, um, she's, you know, English is not her native language. Um, she comes from a culture where women are second-class citizens. Uh, she now lives in America and, um, And so she felt very disempowered. And over the last year, she's really turned things around with her son. She's found her voice. She's, um, I mean, it's pretty amazing to see. And now where she is, is there was a big blow up because the husband had gone back to their native country, um, just, I guess, over winter break. And he was gone with the son for two weeks. Now they're back. 
and the husband's undermining all the things that she put in place. And, um, and now the son is just digging his heels in and following the father's lead. And, um, and she was just so infuriated. She's mm-hmm. like, it's clear to me that we need to divorce. Um, so now I've been away for three days. I know I have to go back. She is a stay-at-home mom. She earns no income. Um, and I was like, and it's this is like, you know, we've got a minute left of the coaching call. And I was like, um, and we're here for you and we'll discuss this offline. Um, but really, she needs you, right? She needs you. So what you know, if a woman in that predicament came to you, can you just kind of walk us through how you would help her? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing is um, when you're in a situation where there's a power imbalance in the marriage, um, it's and this was certainly my experience. You you lose yourself, and I was I was a I was a rock star professional outside of the house, and I was just a, a mouse inside the house, and so. What you start doing is you start listening to your spouse's narrative. And so when these things happen, both people are operating out of fear. I just want to say that right off the bat, even if somebody has anger management issues or what have you, when it comes to divorce, the fear of losing your finances, losing your house, not seeing your kids, it's just a human reaction. And so the, the more high conflict or powerful partner might be like, you know, you're going to, you have no money. You're going to end up in the street. You're not going to get anything. And you know what? I'm going to take the kids too. And whatever that sounds like, that's not reality. And so my first thing is you have to learn the facts. That is fiction. Unless your spouse is a matrimonial attorney, please don't listen to him or her. It's fiction. It's coming out of fear. And so the first thing we tell people is you need to understand your legal rights. So if you're in a particular state where uh, there's equitable distribution and there's reasonable um, spousal maintenance and child support, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't mean you're not going to have to, you know, figure out how to go out and make some money. But the fear is I'm going to be penniless. I have to stay imprisoned in this situation that's diminishing me. And that's not true the vast majority of the time. So the first thing is you get educated. You get educated by getting some good recommendations of attorneys to speak to. You're not getting a divorce because you spoke to an attorney. You're educating yourself. Like nothing is a divorce. It takes a very long, slow path to get divorced. Every step seems scarier than it is. The first step is just to do a consultation, find out what the law is, find out what your rights are. And now at least you're working with something that's real. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love that. Yes. And then the second thing that we're doing side by side with that is really getting to understand what is the dynamic between you and your spouse and what everyone, everyone who comes to us probably with you, they're like, the kid's problem is A, B, and C. So they come to us and it's like, I don't have any problems, but his problem is A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And so we we immediately put a mirror in front of them and say, well, we have no control over there. His side of the street can be as sloppy as it is. Let's, what, what's going on on your side of the street? 
And oftentimes we don't know. I didn't know. I thought my ex was the problem. But the truth is we don't divorce the problem. We bring our part of the problem to the table. So when an individual, and in the case of one of your clients, they've already begun to see it. So they might be like, oh, oh, I do that there too, or I do that different thing there that I didn't even realize. They have control over that. They start fine-tuning that. And even if the spouse stays high conflict or resistant, it's okay because they're feeling more empowered, they're educated, and they can begin down that path, even the stay-at-home mom. That's so good. That is such great advice because, and I even like that you're like the high conflict spouse rather than the narcissistic spouse, which I think, you know, look, I understand that classification a lot. And, and the high conflict, it's like, what kind of people are come from a place of high conflict? What you said, people in fear. People who feel out of control. What, you know, what kind of people try to control other people? People who feel out of control themselves. And, and there's, there's tendencies. There's a whole lot of tendencies. I'll, I'll just run through a couple. So if you have a spouse who, who is very black and white very absolute. It's all or nothing. You're amazing or you suck. Um, yeah. You're always right or you're always wrong. Like So that, that falls into a high conflict. And someone could be high conflict because they just lost their parent and they've got downsized at work and they're just in a pressure cooker. So I think in today's day and age, it's people do themselves a disadvantage when they say, I'm divorcing a narcissist. I'm divorcing a high, someone who has high conflict tendencies doesn't make you sound like, you know, uh, a fake psychologist. And so I often say, don't even use terms like gaslighting. Just if you are talking to a professional, explain what you're experiencing instead of using narcissist, gaslighting, you know, because you sound more reasonable because now you're actually telling me what you're experiencing. So black and white thinking is one deflect and defend. If every time you go to, or the vast majority of times where you go to your spouse to say, I have this issue, you get back. Well, I have that issue too. And mine is worse. Or I have this other issue and you never get to talk about what your concern is um, because they're deflecting and you're defending yourself. That's very typical in those high conflict marriages. And then blame and accusation is a big one. If, if, if they can't take responsibility for their part, like there's certain things where it doesn't matter how good of a human being you are. It doesn't matter how, how centered and mindful and conscious you are. If you're engaged with that kind of a personality, you're going to be hitting a wall and it's not going to serve you. And typically to your point, a lot of times people will say to me, oh, the kids have no idea that like we don't fight in front of them. They don't hear yelling and screaming. You know what? You're a walking ball of energy. And if you're frustrated, angry, disappointed, broken, sad, whatever, and your spouses, those kids don't need to hear you fighting. They are absorbing all of that energy and they are responding, even though it's not a verbal thing. That's so true. It's so, that is so true. And I think that, you know, what, you know, look, they come in to my process and I, you know, 30 days in, they always say like, I thought it was my kid, but I think it might be me. 
right? I think it might be something else. And so I say, yeah, this is parenting. Like it's really a lot of personal development under the umbrella of parenting, right? Like I say, parenting is like the ultimate self-help journey because you just face yourself because little kids don't lie. They're like little truth barometers. So they just mirror (laughs) back everything they feel, right? And so we can choose to face ourselves. And when they come to me and they come through my process, it really does become very much about self-awareness and, and figuring out all the old hurts that are now coming up for you and, and things in the relationship. So the women are starting to, to feel, you know, to heal old hurts and to feel stronger and to feel better and to feel more confident, to feel more worthy and all those great things. And they come down this path and they're loving it. And then their partner, a lot of times, you know, is just a few steps behind them. And, and I'm like, this shit is contagious. You guys just be patient. Don't tell him what to do. Remember unsexy, just do it. Just do it. Just take care of business, do your thing and just be the badass that you are. And so most of the time they then come trickling behind and they're wanting, and they're like, I want to hire a coach. Like you're doing all this cool stuff. And, and so then they come along and then there's the partners who dig their heels in. They say, this is all bullshit. I don't want to hear your mastermind mumbo jumbo anymore. I'm not talking about this stuff. You just need to. And, and so those are the relationships that quite often end in divorce because it's high conflict. It's exactly what you said. Like, they're like, I'm not interested. I'm not opening Pandora's box. box. I'm not doing that. Right. And if you have, I mean, if you have a, a, a partner who has that kind of a reaction when what's at stake is the mental and emotional well-being of your children, that's that's a pretty red flag. That's a big red flag. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, with high conflict personalities, there's such insecurity and there's so much fear. And they do, like when you deal with really high conflict personalities, they will leave the children, the money, the house, and everything on on the battlefield. Like they go for blood. And and in those cases, it's so vitally important to be really regulated and to not be taking that other person personally. And to absolutely, uh, the, in um, Bill Eddy is like the, 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 the king of high conflict. And he says, don't advise, to your point, don't advise, mm-hmm. don't admonish. And with high conflict personalities, don't apologize because mm-hmm. they will take it and yes. they will use it to slay you mm-hmm. every time. And so there's really an interesting lane that we help people to stay in that helps them to be the best parent, to really have their head and shoulders fully above water and out of the chaos so that they can navigate the divorce process, which in and of itself is like broken and lengthy and expensive and frustrating. I was just speaking to a former client right before we got on the line. I have a series called Voices of Celebration, and it's men and women who entered divorce thinking this is going to be devastating. This is going to be horrendous. The rest of my life is going to be bad and have emerged saying, 
I am such a better version of myself. And this was, I can't, they all say the same thing. I cannot believe I'm saying these words. This was the best thing that not only happened to me, but now my kids have a healthy me under a healthy roof. So if there's Mm -hmm. two roofs, great if the kids are healthy under both of them, but at least if one of them is mindful and conscious and healthy and attending to them, your kids can be fine. I say the exact same thing. Me and my husband have said this for years. I'm like, we're a pretty happily married couple who are so pro-divorce because of that exact that exact theory. If we've got one toxic household, right? That not a hundred percent of the time not healthy, but if we've got two households and 50% of the time the kids have the, at least 50% of the time the kids have the possibility of being in a healthy in a healthy environment way better right way better I'm Randy Rubenstein and this is the Mastermind Parenting podcast where I share tips on how to solve any parenting problem if you're in an absolute parenting shitstorm right now I got gotcha. you do this now. Go to our website at mastermindparenting.com and click on the live assessment button where you can schedule a live call to discuss your issue. My team is going to point you in the right direction, match you up with the best resource because we've been where you are and know that you want the tools that work ASAP. Don't worry, we got you. You can also go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash live dash assessment. That's live dash assessment. Get on our calendar right away. You will hook up with a live person to begin helping you immediately. And what I'll say is I have a lot of people in my own circle who will say to me, how, you know, how did you, that just seems so odd that you and your ex got together. Like you're so incredibly different. Well, I'm divorced 15 years and I was equally as toxic as him when I met him. Like, you know, if, if you're in a toxic relationship and you think that your spouse is the problem, if you were attracted to him right. or her and you end up in that, then you brought half of the problems to the table. And if you're not willing to look and see, you know, what was it about my childhood upbringing, my family of origin, my my dating experience, my belief system about myself, my what is it about me that I attracted this person who's so difficult? And then I got into this dance, this dysfunctional dance with him or her. And, and now my kids are in it. And, and, and if I could just stay on this soapbox for a second, if you're going to stay for your kids, here's my message. We learn intimate relationship in our family of origin. I watched mom and dad, mom and dad, interacting with me and my siblings. And that is my experience of intimate relationship. And if what your children are experiencing is not what you want them to go out and marry, then you are not doing them any good staying in that relationship because they will go out and they will either, um, they're going to marry some version of mom and dad. And if that right now is very unhealthy, um, you don't want that for them. Well, I've heard that referred to as trauma bonds. Have you heard that term? Absolutely. Yeah. Trauma bonds. So it's like you get together with people and I mean, 
those of us who find our partner in our 20s, I mean, your your brain isn't even finished developing, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 almost lucky when it doesn't end, end in divorce because we've got a lot more growing to do. And so, so, so we call the people in that in some way feel familiar and there's the trauma yes. bond, right? Yes. And so, um, and then the other thing I've heard, um, which I, I, I love how Glennon Doyle puts it when she decided to leave her marriage and she said, why would I stay in a marriage for my kids that I wouldn't want for my kids. Well, that's that, and that is mm -hmm. perfectly put. Yeah. And I, I feel as though the opportunity to break generational chains, you know, I could look back in my family of origin on both sides, and there's a lot of brokenness. And so if I can be have it, and I, I come from divorce. I never wanted to get divorced. It was the last thing in the world I wanted. And here I am. My, my children were four and six when I sat them down to tell them. I told them by myself because it was the better thing to do according to like rules aren't always rules for everybody. And they're now 24 and 26 mm. and they have more emotional intelligence. And they talk to me about their relationships in a way that I was in my forties and heading toward divorce before any of this was even on my radar. Mm -hmm. And so you get to break generational chains and help each your kids and your grandkids be healthier and in healthy relationships. And I am an enormous fan of marriage. I just got asked that on a podcast and I was like, ah, I'm going to get remarried someday. I love marriage. I think having a partner and making that commitment is the most amazing thing, the most amazing experience. It just has to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. No, I, I completely agree with all of it. And I, I mean, I applaud you for do you know just just even if you came to this in your 40s it's like well, you are a cycle breaker and i think many of us who come and listen to things like this we're all we're cycle breakers we know we may not even be at the stage yet where we know what generational pattern we want to break but we just have an inner sense that we want to do things differently then it was done for us. And I think quite often yep. children ch have, you know, we think I can't get divorced, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ruin my kids' lives. You know, so, uh, quite often people, I think that fear keeps them in an unhealthy situation. And I think children just like, you know, people come to me because of their kids. Um, people go to you because there's a relationship issue. Usually there's kids involved, I'm imagining. And I think these kids can be catalysts for change. They push us to grow, right? They push us to figure our shit out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that if I could, if I could mention here, so when you have a parent and, um, and they're maybe thinking about divorce and the other parent is undercutting them. So that's a lot of what we deal with in high conflict relationships when it comes to co-parenting, it's often high conflict, or mm -hmm. we'll call it parallel parenting. And so one of the things I talk to my clients a lot about is don't try and change the spouse that you've never been able to change. Go to the child and don't complain about the spouse. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't 
pit the child against the spouse. But so let's say um, my son would go to dad's and stay up until two o'clock in the morning playing Game Boy because he could, because he could do anything he right. wanted. I could call my ex and say, you shouldn't do that. We should. I might as well bash my head against a brick wall. Right. I'd be better off. So what I what I started doing at a very young age is I started going to my son. And and it wasn't like what you're doing is bad. I would just say, you know, I I was looking at the report cards and how he was doing in school. And we would have a conversation about how is that working for you and how is it affecting your schooling and and what would be and I would literally coach him through what would be a better decision. And in the beginning, he was like, I'm happy to do what I'm doing. But I I started doing that with my kids when they were still in grade school and all I could do. And even if they got upset with dad, it was like, well, what are you upset about? And how did you handle it? And what would you do differently? And why didn't you do that? What's the fear? And so when we start asking our kids and are inviting our kids into these kinds of conversations and not making the other parent bad, just making it about, their experience, we're raising their emotional intelligence, their awareness of what was I thinking? What do I feel? Why am I doing that? Why do I think it's so great to do that? What are the other options? And when we can do that, and what I tell parents is ask, 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 two ears, one mouth, and at the very end, tell. But see how much you can get from them before you pour into them, because none of us walk away with someone telling us what to do and they do it great. As coaches, we ask so they can come up with their own approach and then they're going to be um, engaged in it, right? And it's going, they're going to be enrolled in it. The same thing with our children, especially if you have a parent who's not on the same page with you. It's so good. I mean, that's, I, I teach a process for conversations called the productive conversation. And the the last step in having a productive conversation is ask curious questions. So before, you know, it's, it's, it's problem solved together. It's really this, this method for infusing empathy into a conversation so that you problem solve it together. And before you weigh in, ask curious questions to allow your child or the other person to solve their own problem. Right? Like, because if they solve their problem, I mean, think about it. Anytime you feel like you solved the thing for yourself, you're empowered. You have way more ownership. You're invested versus just like feeling like the the disempowered child who's like better do what your mom says you should do or so that you don't get in trouble. And it's a, it's a totally different experience. I love that. And I also, and I also love the, and I think this, you know, it's kind of like when parents want to contact the teacher, you know, off the bat when something, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, I am a champion of teachers. I love teachers. And there are lots of behavior techniques and, and behavior management techniques used in classrooms that are outdated, old school and total bullshit. Okay. And if you go and try and tell some teacher who is a you know 40 year veteran teacher how she should run her classroom because it's unfair to your child it, you're probably not going to have a great result from that <laughs> conversation it's probably not going to be so productive 
But what you can do is you can put your bandwidth on your child. It's the same thing as with your exactly right as your ex. It's like it's like you empower the child. You put your focus on your child. You start to ask those curious questions, so they feel empowered and they start to make more responsible choices. And you're not trying to control anyone. And they end up, my experience has been when you do that and you do it regularly, number one, you build a foundation of trust and intimacy that is just off the charts. And secondly, you're building mindful young people. You're actually giving them agency. And I think Mm. as parents, I know I... I grew up with a very controlling mom. I didn't know what music I liked. I didn't know what kind of clothing I liked. I, I like didn't even know who I was when I went off to college because it was that controlling. And here I have these kids and it's hard. It's hard when they have so many opinions and they're so strong-willed and strong-minded. And yet um, it's brilliant when they go out into the world. So it may be a pain in the neck for us. I remember I would always say to my son, you better be a lawyer. <laughs> You grow up because he was so sharp and so on the money. I couldn't keep up with him sometimes. And I was like, this is a pain in the neck for me, but I think you're going to be really productive with this when you get out into the world. It's so true. I mean, I, I have, uh, my youngest is a junior in high school. He's 16, almost 17 in a, in a month. And, um, and he's always been, he's my third child. He's always been super chill, easy. And now he's going through the normal stage of that I call the talk to the hand stage <laughs> where, you know, especially with me, it's like, you know, anyone else, he's like, you know, anyone else that's like, um, he's like, oh, I want to see such and such movie. Anyone else is like, yeah, in the family. And I'm like, oh, I want to see that movie. He's like, I'm good. Um, because he's, you know, he's just in that phase. He's individuating and pulling away from you. And and as moms, you know, especially boys, it's like, don't treat me like a boy anymore. I want to. Right. Right. Like, like, (laughs) like he's just, you know, so he's doing that and he is my most argumentative child. Um, and I think it's because he's, I've really been doing this since he was born. So he's my only kid that's a hundred percent raised with mastermind. And I think he's my most argumentative child because he's actually my healthiest child. Um, like I think that he's going through what he's supposed to go through. Like during the teenage years, they're supposed to prune away and figure out what information they believe and what information they want to retain that we embedded in their brain. And, um, and I, yeah, it is a pain in the neck when I'm like, you know, okay, remember you got to do whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, (laughs) and so it is a pain in the neck when all that resistance comes up and that's where our work comes in because it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of impulse control for me not to be like, just fucking do it. Stop. You know, like I have to like catch myself and walk away. And so it's, it's, it's pushing me to work on skills, you know, that I didn't even know that I really needed to work on because the other two were kind of, were easier, you know? Yeah. If I could just uh, share a little um, success of my own. So uh, as I was telling you before we got on, I had been living in Florida. I was helping take care of my mom and my son had traveled at night at 20 years old. He went, he went from New York to Colorado. Then he went to Portland. He went to Seattle. So I was like, Christopher, people are going to think you don't like me. We couldn't be further apart on the continental U S I was in Florida. He was in Seattle. 
but he would call me um, if he was buying a car, if he was, uh, if he had a, a medical issue, he would call me and he would just talk it through. And, and I, my, my way with him would always be, he'd get on the phone and I'd say, what do you need? And he'd start talking and I'd listen and I ask questions and I'd have an opinion. I'd have advice to give. And I'd say, so help me to understand. Um, do you just want me to listen or is it there something that you need from me? And sometimes he'd be like, I just need you to listen. And at the end, I'd be like, I have an opinion. He'd be like, no, I'm good. And that's when you bite your tongue, you hang up the phone and you let them, them live their life and do it. And for me to know that I'm his person and the same thing with my daughter and that they'll come to me with anything and that they know that they're not going to be shooted on. I'm not shooting all over you and I'm safe. Whether you're telling me that you just crashed the car or you just, you know, had a night out that didn't serve you well, or that you just landed a job. And, and so for me, my mom wasn't safe. And so that's that breaking the generational chains. Like I want my children to be able to come to me with anything and everything and know that I'm a safe person to support them through life. And we know life has a lot of dips and bends and valleys. And when you parent the way you and I are talking about, that's like, that's the golden nugget. That's, that's what you get for the rest of your life. And that's pretty a pretty cool relationship to have with our young adults. I mean, there's so much alignment. You just like, I'm like, yes. Like I wanted to like give a hallelujah on that because <laughs> that's exactly right. It's like, um, I didn't have that relationship with my mom. Um, I don't ever remember feeling like I had, you know, that emotional grown up that I really felt safe with that was going to be my person to confide in or ask, you know, or even just be that sounding board or, you know, ask, yes, I want to hear your opinion or no, I just need to vent. Like I didn't have that person. And so I've always said like, we're going to be the parents of adult children for far longer, God willing, than we are where they actually live in our house and they're little children. So I want like when my kid is, you know, a young professional or, or, and they have a shitty day or something like, I want to be their person. I want to be their Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy. You know, I want to not in a codependent way. And if I want them to have lots of people that they have those, you know, those real relationships, but I also want them to know that like, I'm their mom and and they are a hundred percent safe with me and they can call me and they can tell me anything. And I'm always here and available to hold space for them because I didn't have that. And I think that it would have been lovely <laughs> to have had yeah. that. And and I think I would have felt a lot healthier going into adulthood if I had had that. Um, so yeah, you're preaching to the choir on all of it. And I think that when you come from, um, a critical parent. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Or if you're a critical parent, if you're, if you have a tendency to point out the shortcomings and the problems and what's wrong, um, you're closing doors and there's a way to do it. It's not like, I'm not saying we're not 
talking to our kids about the ways in which we believe that they can grow. But if that's always wrapped in you're wonderful and amazing and terrific in all of these ways, and I've noticed this thing that I don't think serves you, can we talk about it? And I know you're going to be a rock star. Like when we wrap our critique in love and in acknowledgement of all of the good, um, we're serving them so much better than I see so many parents where it's like, there's just this hard line to what's wrong with you. Mm. And for all of us who have a monkey mind and a self-critic, as a parent, we build our child's self-critic. And mm -hmm. so we're responsible for that. And when you can do it, it with kindness and compassion and trust and belief that they can grow, that also creates a level of safety for them that's so foundational and so beautiful. Well, I would imagine it happens even more so maybe when when you're working with someone and so they've gotten divorced, let's say they've gotten divorced, they're working with you or one of your coaches, so they have the the self-worth and and they understand that self-care means getting the right support. Like you don't have to do this all alone. We're pack animals. We're meant to have, you know, we're meant to have that support. So they come to you and you help them to grow in all these ways and, and build their self-awareness. And, and so their confidence grows and they feel more empowered and they're doing their work and they're now all of a sudden it's like, what is my next chapter going to be? I'm a lot, I can dream again. And, and so they start to grow as a person and I would imagine that so often people going through that do become better parents and more Absolutely. confident and build these relationships because I think one of the the biggest obstacles in the especially with teenagers and young adults is when the parents have sort of given up on their you know, it's almost like their life is is a missed opportunity or missed potential. They they their their time has passed. So now they're just going to live vicariously through their kid, and they're going to, you know, be criticized. Well, you know, what about this thing? And how, have you thought about? And it's like, why don't you just do your own work? You know, and so I would imagine that people who are empowered after divorce and and doing what they need to do are not doing that as much as. I completely agree. And in fact, um, you know, my encouragement is always you're learning so much poured into your children, pay it forward. And yeah. so instead of paying forward what mom and dad did to us, right? So we're unconsciously doing it to the next generation. They're paying forward this new thing that they're learning. I had this one client, um, very difficult ex in a five year, um, divorce still in it. Um, and she had these two young adults. And so they were young teenagers when it started. So dad wasn't financially helping. He wasn't involved with the kids. And then he'd show up and want to take the boys to Chris Ray for like delicious steak dinner. And then she would get so angry at them for going and then for coming back and then for sharing any enthusiasm. Hmm. And it didn't take long for us to kind of like, let's just look at that. Let's look at why, why you're so triggered. Um, the message the boys are receiving, why the boys would be so enthusiastic to go out with a dad who, you know, treats them like a library book and occasionally takes them out. And when we broke it all down and I wasn't giving my opinion, she was just 
like I was asking the questions, she began to realize this is really not serving me. And when she started changing, what happened? The boys started coming to her more often. The boys started even talking to her about their disappointment with their dad, Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden she was a safe person Mm -hmm. to hear that and to not bash dad, but to just support them. And Mm -hmm. well, what else can you do? And how can you handle this? And what do you want? And what would that look like? And so that's the beauty of the work that I think you and I do is I, under the umbrella of divorce or parenting is all of the personal growth work that we all need to do. And how beautiful that you not only mend or, or go on to live your own beautiful life on with my clients or have a great relationship with your kids, you're so much better. And, and then you pay it forward. Mm, And, uh, you know, so it's just the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. So good. So good. I can tell you love what you do. Like I love what I do. Yeah. It's so okay. So, so for people who needed to hear this today and want to reach out, um, can you let people know how you can help them, where they should go, all that jazz? Yeah. So, we're Journey Beyond Divorce. That's the website and it's the podcast. And I suggest, like, listen to the podcast if you're a podcaster. And then we offer a, a free, a free, um, call with a coach. And we call it a rapid relief call because people usually need rapid relief when they're reaching out. And so if you go to Journey Beyond Divorce, you can book a free rapid relief call with any coach on the team or myself. And in that conversation, you will walk away with new perspectives, an action plan, and a really good sense of if our form of coaching is the kind of support that's going to help you through this next chapter of your life. Oh my gosh, I am so glad that we connected. I'm I there's so much alignment and I know that a lot of people need you. And um and you know, I I think this episode, you know, it, it sounds like wah, wah, it's about divorce. Uh it's like we had kids, we have this this fantasy, we're going to build this dream and uh we're heading down the road to to divorce, but I think that what you do is so inspirational because it, you know, should we mend or should we end slash start the new next exciting chapter and become the person that I was truly meant to become, right? Like this isn't the ending as much as this could be the beginning. Yeah. And it is, it's, it, it's, we often say, you know, you know, the family isn't broken. The family is going to be the family forever. It's transforming into a different form and you're transforming into a different human being. And it's all good um, because you're going to do it. You're going to do it regulated. You're going to do it consciously and it's going to be better for you and your kids. So good. So good. Thanks so much for being here today. It was a great conversation. Bye-bye. Okay. Everyone have a great week until next week. Bye now. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. 
Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.